All right. So first, I think we got to just uh, uh, we didn't have a we didn't have a podcast last week. That is correct. Now I do have a bonus episode. I was hoping that it might have been able to be dropped in its place, but that didn't happen either. And I'm waiting for that to drop. Uh, mm-hmm. Apologies to Daniel Drain, who I know is waiting impatiently for that to drop because he was the guest on that. Uh, but yeah, I was I was away on a study week, and it would have turned out probably impossible for me to record that week. I ended up I think getting COVID. I don't actually know for sure, but I think I'm, it was COVID. Everyone I was around who I was around at the fall conference at Notre Dame. Uh, Everyone I was around also got COVID, so I think it was. I finally, it finally hit me. It finally hit me. Um, but yeah, I've been away for a bit. I've been away for a couple weeks in uh, the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, uh, kind of doing a whole bunch of stuff. I was trying to do a study break, which was not honestly very fruitful. I just couldn't. I think it was interesting. Like after a couple days, after the more intense times of my sickness, I was just like in a brain fog and I couldn't write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I saw a lot of people, and that was the other thing. I just there was like a lot of people around, and I didn't even get a chance to see everyone I wanted to see in a way. And I was trying to be good and like actually focus on studying, but I got like only like a thousand words written, which was really kind of not good. It it kind of sucked, but I've gotten three thousand words written this weekend. There you go. So I mean, you know, we're we're getting there. My my my, my chapter one is due in four weeks, so this is why I'm in minor freakout mode. That's fair. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta do a bit of shout outs just quickly, just kind of get them through. Okay. Okay. Shout out to Kathy Winkler, who was on the, uh, um, Scottish pilgrimage this summer. I caught up with her, uh, in Chicago for a bit. And, uh, so it's great to hang out with her. Shout out to Jeff Pajanowski, who him and his family, uh, Sarah and, and, uh, Rhett and Felix, uh, who hosted me for a few days there, who also, uh, looked after me in my sickness, which I was very grateful for. <laughs> That's and I was nice. actually, it was like the best place to be sick because they're just so awesome and casual and great in that way. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, Jeff also took me to a football game. Oh, yeah. You went to another Dame so, football game. And I went to my first tailgate. I've never been to a tailgate before. Wow. So this is what all like great American culture. And, and, and the economic oh. department at Notre Dame was having a Canadian tailgate. With like poutine and everything, it was, <laughs> That's yeah, fun. it was like and meat pies and and Catholic candy and it was a quite it was like this it was like what are the chances of this happening right? This is this is the church breathing with both lungs, right? Exactly, uh, and so yeah, I was just like amazed that people are giving out free food and beer all afternoon until the game starts, That's and that this is do. this is a kind of like eerily socialist of Americans. Uh, you that's that's interesting. The uh. A, you should write an essay on the socialist nature of tailgating <laughs> in America. It was just, it was, yeah. I'm like, wow, they're putting out all this really nice food and drinks for free. I mean, I, I'm not saying no. Uh, so that was cool. And then, yeah, so I went to the Notre Dame versus Clemson game, which was a romp. Uh, Notre Dame destroyed Clemson in a uh, Notre Dame's not seated and uh, Clemson is in Notre Dame one with 80,000 fans at the stadium, which is just nuts to me. Yes. And they have like all these traditions where like uh, a lot of the fans, I guess, will be the, like doing push-ups with the women. push-ups. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a neat thing. And then they stormed the field afterwards. And I lost my voice for a few days. <laughs> uh, also, shout out to the Highlands, who I also stayed with. There's like there's lots of people, lots of people. I'm probably actually going to forget a bunch of people who I saw over that time. Um, yeah, but it was a good two weeks. Like it was fun. It, it ended up being kind of like a study break holiday in some ways, just because yeah. my social nature gets the best of me. I gave a paper at the fall conference on the relationship between 
uh, sacrament and nothingness in uh, Ratzinger's Theology of Creation, which I'm not doing as my episode topic today. I, people have heard okay. enough Ratzinger for a while. <laughs> Impossible. Uh, well, it's just, it's all I think about folks right now. It's all I can think about. Um, but then something amazing happened while I was down there. What? So the last week I was there, just after I got better, uh, University of Notre Dame, like the week before Thanksgiving week, has a uh, book sale. Oh, no. And oh, I no. actually purposely, because like, you're going to a conference initially, so I was like, I actually didn't even go. When I found out about the book sale, I didn't even go to the conference book tables because I knew I could probably get books cheaper at this book sale. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I purposely backpacked lightly, mm-hmm. A, because I was just moving around a lot. Um, sure. B, uh, just in case I need more room. Actually even packed like a little mini duffel bag into my big Patagonia bag. Uh, just in case, you know, who knows? Just Who's, in case. Who knows what's going to happen, right? You're at, you're at University of Notre Dame. There's books everywhere. Who knows what's going to happen? What's going to mm. be available to you? Mm. Well, uh, first is uh, good people at the, the Nicholas Center, uh, Margaret and Ken gave me a, uh, a few of uh, books that had recently been coming, coming through their inclusive cleaning new DC Schindler book, which I was very excited about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so that was cool. But then yeah, the, they had a deal at the University of Notre Dame. So these are all new books, essentially. Like, well, they're not not used books, but they're like either got like a slight issue on the cover, maybe a slight teensy bit of damage or something like that. Sure, yeah. And if you fill a tote bag up for 40 bucks, you can get as many books in that tote bag as you wanted. Really? <laughs> I got three tote bags. <laughs> I ended up buying 34 books for $120 American, which ended up being like $4.75 Canadian a book. That's amazing. And these are books or some of them like 60, 80 bucks brand new. Yeah. Because these are all yeah. academic books. So these are like books that you can't get for cheap anywhere. Oh, man. And, uh, and, and, mirac- and the biggest miracle of all is that neither of my bags that I checked on the way back, because I get free bag checks coming back on my plane. Okay, ones, yeah. Which is great. Uh, this is kind of why I did this. Uh, and uh, neither of them were overweight. They were full, so I couldn't really fit anymore. Sure, sure. But neither of them were overweight. And uh-huh. I was a very happy... I was a very happy man that day. I, I had a little too. I could have bought more. I, I was trying to be good, and uh, I ended up coming back with like yeah, like forty books. Uh, so from while you didn't write a lot of words, you bought a lot of words. Yes, yes, and I actually need another bookcase now. It's yes. I, I feel like you need a new bookcase like every few months. It's kind of well. I'm at that point. I'm like, I think I need to really be careful about how many more books I buy for a while. Yeah, you say that, but I don't believe you. I know. Well, it's like 120 bucks for 34 books. Like, how, you're like losing money if you don't buy them. That that is how money works. If yeah. you don't spend money on a deal, you are actually losing money. All I've right. always believed this myself. Yeah. So, in overall, it was. I mean, it was a good two weeks. I was not as productive as I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you know you can't force your brain to work sometimes, and it That's definitely true. was not working for a week there. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a good time, and uh, it was gorgeous down there up until like the last few days. I actually got like cold, but. Uh, the Saturday, the last Saturday, the Saturday of the conference, it was like in the low 70s Fahrenheit. Oh, that's quite nice. I was like, what's going on here? It's supposed to be like freezing down here right now. Mm-hmm. So, and now I'm back at the parish. And this is the last thing is like, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, I came back. I have no chaos for the oh, first time of the year. Oh, that is a blessing. For the what first a time in a year, I'm like, mm-hmm. I came back and I'm like, 
wait, there's not a whole lot of stuff in my inbox. My emails are pretty much all caught up. I, I, I don't have to react to anything. I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> I feel like a, a parent whose children have all like progressed above the age of five, uh-huh. and they actually like, get a good night's sleep for the first time in forever, and they okay. actually have like yeah. a regular orderly ordered day for once in a while. And mm-hmm. you're like, wait, is this what normal's like? It's kind what of a great. blessing. So that's my, that's my, um, that's my turn, tornado-like overview of the last uh, three weeks. Good. How are you doing? Welcome to Clerical Speak. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. I am, I am exhausted, Father Harrison. Um, utterly, emotionally, spiritually drained. Well, not spiritually, yeah. but emotionally. Uh, is, is psychically. This, is, this, is, is this because Canada is starting to overtake America in listens of Clerically Speaking? No, that's that's um, wait. First of all, first of all, has you you when you say Canada has begun to overtake the United States in listeners, uh, mm-hmm. that is untrue. Or listens, listens, listens. Still untrue because we, they have not overtaken us yet. Oh, this okay. is a thing, ladies and gentlemen, that apparently Canada, but the number of listeners coming we are. from Canada, was that per capita we are. Per capita, sure, but no one cares about that. We just want the raw numbers. Um, it's kind of like uh, right now, um, I mean, and also you got to think about how currency works. So your listeners are actually worth less than American listeners anyway, just like Canadian money is worth less than American money. So I'm not, so I'm not too worried about this. Dignity? Yeah. Hmm. That sounds suspiciously uh, just wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm. You know what? You can call. You can, if you think about whatever heresy that is, I'm just gonna accept it. I'm not gonna. Okay. I'm not backing down from this one. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Fine. But uh, yeah. So while that's you know mildly disappointing, not terribly worrying. The reason why I'm psychically exhausted is that uh, this past weekend I was at a retreat with 250 teenagers. Uh, we had this big fall retreat. It's been going on for 22 years. I think yeah. I went to yeah, I went to it early on when I was in high school, and now I'm part of the team that runs it, which includes uh, the great producer Nick, who was the MC for the event. Mm-hmm. Producer Riley gave a great talk at the end of the event. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was it was um, it was really really good. Everything went good. shockingly smoothly, nice, incredibly well, nice, uh, and very spirit filled. The whole thing. Good. But Harrison, I don't know if you know this, but like teenagers are so emotional. Yeah. Oh my gosh. At the end, at the end. <laughs> so it was great because everyone was really into it. There's a lot of energy. Um, you know, we had two hours of like confessions and there was adoration and the procession and we did mass. And don't tell anybody, but we did mass ad orientum. And shockingly, the young people either didn't care or they liked it. Which nice. is how young people react to Ad Orientum. They either don't care or they like There was it. no violent <laughs> no. There was no violent hatred. No, there wasn't because it's not a big deal. Anyway, so it, actually it was uh, delightful because we had praise and worship music with a you know band, drums, and a guitar. And we were doing Ad Orientum. And so I was like, this is, this is great. This is great. Yeah. Um, and so it's truly wonderful. I enjoyed it greatly. I'm glad I've been working out because uh, the monstrance we used for the procession was super heavy. You know those really big hosts that break up into like yeah. 34 yeah. like pieces? Yeah. Like it was a monstrance for that was kind of Was it heavier of than a stein? 
it was significantly heavier than a stein. <laughs> so what you're saying is your stein holding was like a training for this. Absolutely. And the thought literally crossed my mind because as I'm doing lots of <laughs> blessings with it, like I was feeling the shoulder burn. I was like, okay, okay, this is what we train for. <laughs> oh. But uh, as an introvert, at the end of everything, I was just done. Like uh-huh. it was a lot of fun. Really amazing to see how the Lord worked. I did a uh, question and answer session with uh, the teens. Um, And so they got to ask me whatever questions they wanted to. And a lot of fun questions. Um, So it was was great. But at the end, I uh, was exhausted. And then I had to do um, Vespers Uh and uh, our 7.30 p.m. uh, mass at the parish. Mm -hmm. And it was actually really energizing. We had this very kind of nice chanted vespers and mass, and I don't know about you, but it's when like, I am is the vespers at the parish. Yeah, yeah. We do you do guys vespers. do this every Sunday? Uh, no, we don't. We did okay. it for Christ the King. We're we're slowly doing vespers more and more at different feast days. Yeah, I'm, so we're, I'm, I want to. I was going to do more this year, but I just no yeah. time. I just but next year mm-hmm. it's going to go like once a month or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where where is I going with that? Uh, oh, but it, I don't know about you, but like it's when I'm at the most, my mental capacities are at their least that sometimes yeah. I preach the best, <laughs> right? Because I had nothing, I had nothing for Christ the King, yeah. Um, but I was then really happy with my homily and the way things went. So you just like grab the microphone like this, like Jesus is Lord, <laughs> and then drop the mic. Yeah, um, it wasn't quite that. Uh, okay. We did talk about that Jesus is Lord because He is Christ the King of the yeah. universe. Yeah. Um, but just very thankful for the whole thing. Um, oh. And uh, teenagers are, are crazy. So one of the things they would do is, um, and this happens at Steubenville conferences, is they get clothespins and they write something on it. And the idea is to write a little Bible verse or a little word of encouragement. And you try to sneakily um, pin it onto someone's piece of clothing. And they find it and they get to see, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had many of these little clothespins pinned, of course, to my man bun. Uh, that was kind of like a prime target for the teenagers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, while the, the teens were great and everything, it's not like they were all, like, saints or anything. Uh, a few of um, one of the pins that was stuck to the my man button was, like, an advertisement for this kid's YouTube channel. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. You're, like, no, no, you're no. working the system. <laughs> you're That's like, how no, it is no, no, for you're it like, all. No, 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 no. You're like, dude, you're talking to a co-host of Cleric speaking here. you got to right. pay me to, to care about your YouTube channel. Exactly. No. <laughs> um, but I don't, think, I don't think I told anybody about the podcast. So I was proud of myself oh, for that. I hate you. Um, do you want, we, do, we don't want any more listeners. Just kidding. So it's good, but my brain's still fried. I'm still recuperating gotcha. from that. But praise God. Yeah, he so was what you're is you're happy I'm the lead today. Oh, so happy. Yeah. Uh, so happy. Well, yeah. we'll see. Actually, you know what? Right now I'm happy. We'll see what happens. <laughs> We'll see how things uh, go. Yeah. Well, and, like, and I'm hoping. You see, if you had told the kids about the podcast, uh-huh. they could have gotten more opportunities to ask Father Anthony questions. Oh, right. If they had could called have. the hotline for theological emergencies. Hi, Father Harrison and Father Anthony. This is Amy. I'm calling from Boise. Um, I'm calling to ask about convalidation because my husband and I are recent converts, and it's really confusing. Who needs them? Who doesn't? Why do you need them? Can you just answer all the questions? Thank you. Love the show. Answer all the questions. That's too all the questions. questions. That's, that's a lot of questions. All right. Well, Amy from Boise, I'm presuming uh, this isn't your real name because clearly you're not validly married, so you're not a valid person, and therefore... Oh, oh yes. No, no. no. I, kidding. I kidding. No, she's valid. She's not Canadian. She's 
Uh, all right. Now, I guess the question, I mean, so I, I, the reason this one piqued my interest is because I've actually heard from a few friends who are, who are both Protestants, neither were Catholics beforehand, who got married as Protestants, who were then told when they be both became pro Catholic by their priests that they had to have their marriages convalidated. What? Right. And this is what I'm wondering here. I'm wondering if that's where this is coming from. Because uh, if that's the case, I don't know. I've not, I had not heard this before. I've only heard this from certain friends in the U.S. And I know it's not a U.S. thing, but it seems mm -hmm. maybe there's a seminary somewhere that has taught guys that this has to be the case. Because I don't know where that's coming from. But I have heard this that yes, if like let's let's say two Baptists got married in a Baptist church or something like that, or even civilly, whatever, it doesn't matter because they're not bound by form. These mm -hmm. two Baptist people got married, uh, and they become Catholic. The argument has been for some reason that they then have to have their marriage convalidated in the church. Yeah, no, I don't. I've yeah, that's not true at all. They're, so, they're okay. we considered their marriage sacramental even before right. they became Catholic. As right. long as they right. haven't been married before, yep, there's nothing exactly. impeding them from marriage. And neither of them were, and neither of them were Catholic who then became right. Baptist or something like that. Yeah, um, you're fine. This is the mm -hmm. thing. So, so, um, so, Amy, if you guys were Protestant who became Catholic, uh, and you're being told you have to have your marriage convalidated, that's just false. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what's actually happening here or not, but I'm just gonna, I'm just that kind of piqued my thing. So, what is convalidation? Mm -hmm. It's like, let's kind of convalidation means like to validate together. So it means that there was something lacking when you entered into your your bond that is necessary for a, mar a marriage to be recognized by the church, and you need uh, what we call like church form. If one of them's Catholic, uh, um, so maybe uh, so you have to be free to marry. <laughs> You have to, uh, and you have to be married in front of a priest and two witnesses, uh, or deacon, or a delegated person, depending on where you are, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, um, so let's say uh, two people, a Catholic marries a non-Catholic in a civil marriage. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you you can either do a convalidation. You can also actually do a senatio in radice, which is like a recognition of the uh, bond at the time of its giving of the time of consent with something I do if there's no previous bonds. Uh, if there is a previous bond, then you have to like annul or regularize things first before their current marriage can be recognized. And that's when we do a convalidation where we say that's the moment your marriage begins actually in the eyes of the church. So convalidation is just, is essentially an exchange. It's essentially a wedding. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but when we fill out paperwork, I have to sign something saying that I have told the couple and they have acknowledged that this is a uh, an act like a new act of marriage. Like this right. is a. I don't have to do that. This is a way I tell basically. them. Yeah, but I tell yeah. them that essentially. Yeah. For some reason, we have to tell them that. Which sometimes yeah. I'd rather not. <laughs> well, like, this just, why, so this is why I awkward. do sanations. So sanations, like this is the thing. This is actually a debated thing. Like some people, mm -hmm. some dioceses insist that no matter what, you have to do convalidation. Mm -hmm. uh, I, if they are, if it's their only marriage and there was just something lacking in the form, uh, sanation's a, an allowable thing. I like that because it says, well, actually, yeah, the church recognizes your marriage beginning at the day you gave it. You just lack the certain external qualities that we usually need. Uh, uh, but we recognize the moment the consent was given, which is saying, like, yeah, your wedding started the day it started. 
Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Nice. That's funny. I, I don't think I've ever done one of those. Um, I do them all the time. It's not like a basic. Also, like my diocese, we have to do more paperwork in other places and there's more loop. Well, and again, it's pretty normative in a lot of dioceses to insist in convalidation. Yeah. Sanation is very rarely used in a lot of places, but canonically it's allowable. Yeah. And so I prefer because that's it's a nice way to say like you you came back to the church you got married civilly sure. or something like that. Well, this is actually not a hard thing to do. Um, but convalidations are just a way of saying like there was something lacking initially that needs to be rectified. Um, and so it's essentially a new act of marriage, and, and that's the moment the marriage begins. So, but if you were married validly in a Protestant church or something like that, or in a civil marriage, and you had no previous marriages then you don't need to have your marriage convalidated. Yeah, you're fine. You're married. You're fine. Right? Sacramentally, you're never Anything married. else you got to say about any of that? No, I'm really mad at you for uh, picking a canon law question. I already told you my brain's not working today, so I have nothing else to add to that. All right, well, then you get... Now, now you can pick one. Okay, I will. I'm going to pick a super easy one. Hi, fathers. This is Jill and Kevin. Recently, we were at a mass, and a gentleman in front of us during the universal prayer let one rip. We had a hard time containing our laughter. We were able to make it through the rest of the Mass, except for during the communion procession, this same gentleman was on his way back from communion, and he not only let one rip, he let one loose and had to exit the building. We want to know, can we still be saints if we think poop jokes are funny? Do you think the saints ever made poop jokes? Okay, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I, you know what? Yeah, we you are going to answer this. What? Um, uh, so it's, first of all, I'm glad I we heard um, whoever, uh, Jill is. I'm glad we heard Jill at the end saying goodbye because I was confused that this guy's name was Kevin and Jill, which was obviously mm-hmm. false. So right. that's good. Um, <sighs> you know, stuff happens and uh, it, did I ever tell this story, my story of this on the podcast of a similar situation? I'm just going to tell it again. All right. All right. So <laughs> uh, I it was at my first assignments, you know, and had a rough day, but it was a 5 p.m. Uh, mass on Saturday. And you know what? The mass went really well. I was totally in the zone, just kind of feeling the graces of the mass and what was tired but satisfied with like just my life and the place of the universe in general okay and uh saying goodbye to everybody and i'm heading back up to the altar to go to the sacristy and this nice lady very nervously approaches me and says father i think there's something that you would want to know and i said well what's that and she said well somebody pooped down the stairs and i thought to myself i didn't want to know that i never wanted to know that that's not a thing that i wanted to know uh, but sure enough, to uh, the left of the sanctuary, there is a staircase that goes uh, either to our basement or out the door. And indeed, there was a trail going down the stairs and out the door. And uh, so, like, in that situation, I'm not going to, like, call the maintenance guy to, like, clean that up. That seems, like, incredibly rude. <laughs> so, like, I guess this is I guess this is my job now. And uh, actually, one of the older, other older gentlemen helped me out just randomly, which was very nice of him. And so we, we cleaned to the best of our uh, ability and, mm-hmm. and sanitized that. I uh, thought... You did, you did share this story before. I did. Okay. Yes. So uh, <laughs> so here's, here's the thing with this, though. Yeah. Uh, children think poop jokes are funny. True. 
Jesus says in order to enter the kingdom, you must become like this child. Mm -hmm. Ergo, you can become a saint if you think they're funny. Q-E-D. I think, I mean, there is something absurd about our bodily functions in general. I think that uh, if you don't see the humor in how silly we are um, as fallen human beings. But here's a question. Can, we, can, I, uh, can I ask you this question, Harrison? And this, is, this has been a, a debated question among many of my friends. Mm -hmm. Is uh, will, we, will we poop in heaven? <laughs> I have no idea. You're just going to say you have no idea? You're not going to give well, it a shot? We have no data. We have no data. Okay, but let's let's speculate from what we know. Okay, because like, well, it's just, here's what we know about resurrected bodies. Yes, they can eat. We do know yes. this mm -hmm. because, but yet, um, <laughs> I just I just had a weird image in my head about this because like Jesus could also enter into closed buildings, so clearly yes. he could pass through physical things, and thus maybe pa physical things can easily pass through him. Kind of like Slimer eating food, mm -hmm. you know? He's able to actually enjoy it and eat it, maybe even process it a little bit, but then it also just, like, seep on away. Uh, not that Jesus is a ghost, obviously, but, you know. Right. Um, uh, but we have no data about um, the bodily functions of processing digested food. Okay, but, okay. So we have so no data of this. We only know that it got eaten. That's all yes. we know, and that's, that's all, we know. all we have the data of. So I think there's a few things. Um, is is digestion and uh, excretion, is that a result of the fall? Is that an imperfection in the body in the sense that aging is? And I would, say, I would say no. Because it's actually, it kind of very much so uh, helps with the entire like whole circle of life thing. Or... Or, what? or, 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 yeah. is it a result of my little angel fall theory, which yeah. is that the bodies that we, that humans take on, that, that humans have throughout the evolutionary process, um, because of like the naturalized way that death works to bring about in evolution of the body, uh, mm -hmm. that, that becomes a, that becomes part of like the, the natural evil of, 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 uh, the fall of like the angels fall and its effects on us that we had to process food differently hmm. because of the angel. Essentially we poop because of the devil. Okay. So that's, <laughs> see, we can, we can speculate. You said you have no idea, but this is, this is know. important. Okay. We can, we can go. Okay. Okay. Another, so here's another the thing. Here's the thing. Par parents are actually loving this or hating this right now with their kids in the car. Yeah. I, I don't care. I'm loving this right now. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> oh, wait, I was going to say something about, oh, okay. Um, getting back to poop jokes being funny. Humor is something that is good, right? And God's not going to destroy anything that is good in his creation. Right. Um, Just look at the in, plot. In the new heavens, new earth. It, he will only elevate it. So can you have heaven without poop jokes? Or would yeah. that humor be lost to us forever? That doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, I think I think the essence of what is behind the poop joke might remain, but I think the poop jokes might be gone. Yeah. What's the essence? Oh, so just like the idea of hu like humor will be there, but yes. And what like the logic of humor of what makes mm -hmm. something truly funny will be there, but I think our more crude forms of humor might be gone. Hmm. So that kind of implies that Poop jokes are evil. No, no. They're just less perfect. Okay. 
But, you know, like, say, Therese of Lisieux talks about different souls as different kinds of flowers in a field. Some are wildflowers, some are roses. Yeah. yeah. They're all delightful to God. They, Would I they know, be I know. At, hang There's different a levels of, of perfection? Yeah, but, but humor requires beauty and, and, um, uh, and form in order for it to be humor, right? Like, part of humor is exposing... Um, unintended logical consequences of things and stuff like this right like it's it's the unexpected punchline right it's it's like uh i mean i think a joke that will remain in heaven is like norm mcdonald's moth joke okay right? <laughs> that was a great joke you know and it's a it's a it's a higher level of humor mm-hmm. it's like will will the will the comic who says swear words all the time will that kind of form of humor be remaining mm-hmm. would it uh, well, I mean, that's another topic about. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, but that's a level of cru- of crudeness. It... Because part of me, okay, the reason why I'm I'm, I'm going to clarify is because I think yes, because I don't think that all swear words are necessarily sinful. Well, no, I, I do. Oh, well, I wouldn't say they're sinful. I wouldn't. No, no, actually, I would agree with you there. But they could be considered rude, which is uh, is that, and we're going to have like perfect form of love up in the resurrection. Okay, but rudeness is only because we have spoken in an. Uh, in a way, uh, like an inappropriate setting. And that's that's kind of, I mean, there's something about um, rudeness comes from incomplete communion. Uh-huh. Like the closer you are to someone, yep. the harder it is to actually be rude to right. them. But then, but then you use those things a lot less the closer you are to someone because you don't need to. Mm. How come I feel way more comfortable saying bad words when I'm playing board games with my friends than I do during a homily? See, I don't. You feel I, the I, same way. I, 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 I would. My use of bad words is very limited. Well, I don't see it necessarily as closer. Sinful That's because you're Canadian. You're just naturally more polite. Uh, well, no. But will there be Canadians? For me, in it heaven? becomes. It, but here's the thing. For me, they tend to only ever be used mm-hmm. in the light of what I would think is a situation that is unjust. Um contrary to the common good like something that is bringing about a real evil ah, and injustice mm-hmm. in the world and you mm-hmm. need something almost violent to express the horror at, towards this evil that mm, tends to be okay. when i tend to only use it yeah so it's like when um i roll and natural only- one yeah when i roll natural one playing uh, dungeons and dragons that's obviously unjust uh <laughs> towards me that fate has, I mean, has struck stricken yeah, me it's so. pretty low it's a pretty low realm of it's not like you know it's not on the same level of like, you know, real affronts to human dignity. I mean, it feels like a real affront to my dignity. Well, that's, or that's to my imaginary problem, character's mine. dignity at the very least. Yeah, but they have no dignity because they're not real. They're real to me. Anyway, um, what were we talking you about? You are imaginary. Imaginary implies not real. <laughs> imaginary implies we're that... Going, we're just going off on the tangent. We're just going yes. off the deep um, So... This is what happens when uh, Father does a... Final, final, final... Um, what, what was even the question? Is something about poop oh. jokes. I don't remember what... Yes, well, we can be a snake with poop jokes. I think yes. Um, it's, I mean, partially... Like, okay, you can, be a, you can be a saint and think poop jokes are funny, but I don't think you thinking poop jokes are funny is what will make you a saint <laughs> and who right. knows yeah yeah it's perhaps if we go through the dark night that will be purged from you yes, um yes, yes, yes. like sometimes like yeah saints did have sinful qualities but those were purged for them whether or not a poop joke is funny is is um different and also pray for that poor human being who had to leave church because of incontinence like that's 
That's sad. These are the hard questions that are demanding of our time on this podcast. These are the real. That guy can literally never go back to that church again. Like if that happened to me, I would never go. I would have to move to a different diocese. That poor guy. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. You should. You know what? You should feel sad. You should have wept tears. A whole new light on. On uh, it puts a whole new light on. Look at the log in your own eye. Oh no, no, I no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's how you get pink eye. <laughs> this is a okay, stupid I'm gonna, I'm podcast. Just, I am just going to like just lift us up out of this one now, okay? And we're just okay. We're gonna go. Let's go talk about something truly holy. And uh, and uh, draw us back into God's life and light in Presbyterian okay. exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral. Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. <sighs> Whew. We're back. It's been a while since right. we've gotten that, that silly. Silly? Yeah. Uh, Which is not bad. It's not bad. It means we're actually jovial and light and feeling playful, and that's a good thing. That is a good thing. So I, I don't even know where it's necessarily going to go, but uh, I, I, uh, I'm i also trying very hard to not talk about whatever I'm talking about in my thesis stuff all the time, even though that's okay. all I'm ever reading about. Um, and I wanted to, t- you know, I was really, I mean, this kind of got highlighted in some reading I was doing, but I mm-hmm. I, I kind of went off on it in my own way, I guess, on the on the weekend for the homily. And I, I essentially just focus on one line from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right? That that Taze chant that we all know and love. Jesus, hey, remember wait, wait, wait. me. We have copyrights to that? We have copyrights to that? <laughs> that uh, if I do it, it's like a um, it's like a cover and it's fair use. Oh, is it? When you come into your kingdom. Boom, 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 boom. We need oh, more like man. Taze metal. Anyway, yes, yes, you were talking about that scripture verse. Yes, uh, and I, I, I reflected on the notion of memory itself, mm-hmm. right? I think it. I I didn't, and I, I tr- actually I worked very hard to just make it a simple, uplifting homily without having to like go into all the problems that we have around memory. How like Google Maps is destroying our memories about where we are <laughs> in place and everything like that. Yeah, which is true. I think technology has destroyed memory in a unnatural way in some ways but that's not even really what i want to kind of get to today i reflected and prayed over this notion that we are remembered by god hmm. that god has a memory of us what do you like what like i don't know let's uh what do you think if uh of that of that idea so it's gonna we're gonna have to talk about what what the church what theologians and church church people mean by memory for example uh what was it just today celebrated um the visitation of mary the day of recording and uh in one of the prayers um at least i did why are you looking at your phone i thought it was i don't know i'm just having a presentation presentation yeah, i was gonna say it wasn't the presentation i feel like it's the, the presentation presentation. Not presentation 
Yeah, um, because visitation. So in a certain is, sense, Mary was visiting the temple to be presented yes, there. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, moving on, uh, and I think it's either in the preface or some of the collects or whatever. It talks about uh, in memory of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right. And that always sounds to like my English ears, Western English ears, that like it sounds like we're remembering someone who has died and is no longer with us. Right. But that's not quite what the church means by like memory. No. Uh, and I mean, and I think you can just look to the most, probably our, our most familiar encounter with the notion of memory is in the consecration. Do this in memory of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, like we, we hear that word memory and we think, oh, we're just calling to mind something that happened in the past as if it's yeah. not a real thing anymore. Um, this actually, interestingly, Augustine kind of goes into this a lot. Like Augustine's the big theologian of memory. Okay. And, uh, uh, and it, he, for him, memory is our ability to comprehend time in its past, present, and future. Right. Uh, so like there's even meant to be a kind of memory of the future, if you will. <laughs> like, because memory has, we always think of memory as something to just do with the past. Yeah. But it's no, it's actually something more of a calling to mind a reality. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if, 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 uh, if memory is calling mind to a reality, uh, then for the Christian, it's also the future, which is our, 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 yes, eschaton, right. Our, our coming to God forever, to be with God forever. That that's what Christ, that Christ's redemption, which happened in the past is working today in my present and is the culmination and the goal of my future. And that all these elements, all this act is, is present in Christ's one sacrificial act of his death and resurrection. And so encountering that event, which happens for us in the liturgy, is, is encountering uh, the memory of God, if you will, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I talked in the homily about how, how um, the, the Sunday Mass is really, or sorry, yeah, the Sunday the Mass itself is really God's memory of the event, Mm-hmm. Which is, and I, I love that image of Revelation, right? Of of uh, the uh, John's in the heavenly Jerusalem and then in heaven, and he sees the Lamb standing as though slain, mm-hmm. right? What a cool image that is, right? Of resurrection and death at the same time, and it's in heaven, so it's also ascension. It's one, it's Jesus's one redeeming act present in heaven at once, and this is his best way of trying to describe this integrating reality, which is such a beautiful image, because. Mm-hmm. Because God takes on our humanity, he also takes on created time and now lifts up that time into eternity. And thus, the event of our salvation is now united to God forever in Christ. And now is now something that is meant to be eternally present to us. And so when the church, when we say at the Mass, for example, the priest says the words of consecration and the action, uh, do this in memory of me. It's not, it is a recalling of a past, but it's something that affects what it says. So when I say, well, I'm going to remember, you know, that party I went to last year or something like that. What is, what do I do when I say I'm going to do that? Well, I affect it. My word or my, my thought in this case, maybe affects what I want it to do. It brings it to mind. It makes it present to me in a, in a way. Right. Um, and so it makes that past present. Now, this happens in an infinitely greater and more real way with the Mass. When mm-hmm. the priest says the words of consecration, it affects what it says. To do this in memory of me is to make this event, to recall this event into our presence. And thus the church in time is kind of God's memory in time and space. 
to make this event present to us. And us as Christians in the church, baptized in the church and in liturgy, thus are caught up into this one event that is remembered by God. And thus now there's a space in Christ for us to be remembered by God in this event. And that this is like, there's something very hopeful to that. God remembers me. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not just like, oh, you know, like, cause like, think of it, like just on that natural level, uh, you know, like when, when, when someone remembers to renew their passport, you know, you know, deep down that they care about you because they want to come and do a mission at your parish, for example. Right. Like that, that's a sign of caring and remembering of someone. Right. Or, 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 uh, or like a birthday, like I mean, it's someone's birthday, you remember it's their birthday, you call them up, you give them a gift or something like that. This notion of memory is so vital to us as Christians, as, as human beings. It's a sign of care and love. And it gives us the ability to move on forward. Um, and so that idea that God remembers me and that the good thief recognizes this. And he also remembers himself properly. Mm-hmm. He says to the bad thief, do you not fear God? We deserve to be here because of what we did. So he's calling yeah. to mind the events of what he did. This person who's being crucified next to us is 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 uh, clean. He is righteous. He is, he, is, he is guiltless. He is remembering who Christ is perfectly. Yeah. And he's bringing them into the right relationship. And he says, bringing these two things, these two memories together allows him to a- act in confident hope towards Christ to say, remember me still. Don't forget me, God. Let me live on. That you- God's memory means that I am not forgotten. And because it, God is eternal, eternal act and that in God's mind, I am really not forgotten. I am always then therefore really and truly alive. Am I breaking your brain or something? I'm thinking of several things, and okay. it's it's not broken Sorry. yet, yeah. I don't think, but it's a little stretchy. Um, okay. So there's, by God remembering us, it's God making us present to him. Part of his memory of us is also our the reason why we exist. Right. Because um, we are yeah. being remembered by him or like. Because in the, God, um, his memory and his thought are the same yeah. thing. Right. Okay. Um, so, um, thinking about, so to kind of briefly summarize when we normally remember things, we Mm -hmm. make present in our mind, something that has happened in the past or in the future. I think it's Mm -hmm. fair to say, because in a certain sense, despair is a forgetting of the future. Um, Right. Yeah. But also the, so the, the thing you brought up at, uh, the way this happens at mass is kind of this preeminent way of um, the past and the future become present really, mm-hmm. not just in yeah. mind, but in reality. Right. Sacrifice is alpha and omega. Right. Okay. But I think this also happens in reality um, just through uh, faith. Um, so our hope is, exercised in a sense through memory if i'm using these words right Mm -hmm. that like because i remember the future it is present to the christian like the final victory is in a sense present to the christian in a way that is not just in the mind but in the reality Mm -hmm. of the life that they live now right um when we talk about remembering the blessed virgin mary she is with us now um through exactly you know, so that's uh, like matters of faith. Memory becomes something even more so than uh, what is simply in the mind. Yeah, it's not just a phantasm. 
its right. reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that has some implications for uh, people who mourn. Yeah. When, uh, when other Christians, like when our, uh, when the other baptized pass away, we can remember them in a more profound sense um, through prayer, through, um, and eventually I think, you know, I think it's uh, through asking them to intercede for us um, that they are in a particular way present to God and therefore present to us in memory, like when we receive the Eucharist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like, it's a way of, memory as communion almost <laughs> right yeah it's bringing together uh past and present um yeah those are all those are all the things that are bumping around in my brain okay uh, when i'm okay. thinking of this yeah yeah i think like, for me it's it's a memory and hope go together and i think this mm-hmm. is so yeah the other thing i mentioned then is like at the same time as you know like or just maybe anybody who's been in grade school knows that to remember things you have to commit them to memory which is also you have to do things over and over again like how yeah. why is it that we can walk because we had to like struggle to figure out how to move our body and actually be and here's the cool thing about it it becomes so ingrained in our memory that we don't have to think about it anymore when we walk mm-hmm. right it's just it's it's actually our memory is actually quite active it's just not it doesn't have to think about it in an actively conscious way it's so ingrained in our like our memory is so ingrained in us in this way that we don't have to think through it anymore the operation happens right yeah like and it happens not just with like physical stuff it happens like uh i was uh I can't remember, I was, I was quoting Philippians 2, 5 to 11 to someone. I just like rattled it off. Why? Because I pray every week in the breviary mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday nights. Um, every week it's there. And I thought that, that like that's a, that's a work of memory, that I'm able to just call this thing up immediately because it it's so important to me that I exercise the time and energy to call it to mind. And this is where I think like the technology stuff has actually been, I think, interfering with proper use of memory hmm. uh we we use we use uh technology as a way to take on the burden of thinking and so and memory in so many ways and like i said google maps and like i don't it's harder from like it's amazing how maybe 15 years ago i would be able to just know how to get somewhere pretty after one or two times because i didn't have google maps to guide me to get there mm-hmm. now it it's like i know how to get to the hospital now but it took me many, many times of having to go through Google Maps. Like I actually it took me longer to memorize it because yeah. I depended upon something to remember it for me. There's nothing absolutely wrong with this, you know, but it's just, again, with every technological advance, there's also comes a loss. Mm-hmm. And I think what it does with the loss is, it's not so much is it, I'm not saying Google Maps bad. Mm-hmm. What I am saying though, is that it trains us to remember technology as our memory. Mm-hmm so that we actually lose the ability to keep our memory um, properly intact and exercising it. That actually, if you look at your experience again, get away all the ideology stuff, memory is something that has to be exercised through a frequent uh, recalling. So this is why I always say to people, whatever those few events of your life where you've had a real encounter with God, where something that's been really meaningful in your life and, and, or something like where there's been an encounter with him and through his peace, uh, through sometimes for some people, it's been a judgment where it's like a conversion moment or mm-hmm. a spiritual experience or just a, a word that you heard at mass or the structure one day that changed your life around. You don't forget those things by calling them to mind constantly. Um, this is kind of Ignatius's thing with the Ignatian exercises. You're putting yourself into the place of the scenes because it's actually the work of memory. 
And it's a re- it's the memory of yourself in the light of all these things. And that that's God really work, work in you. Uh, we have to exercise our memory by actually calling it to mind constantly. And that's something you do in prayer even. To recall those moments, like like what do we do with an examination of conscience? We're remembering the day, right? We're yeah. called in the light of Christ and to see that actually, yeah, he's really there calling me to him and so on and so forth. The memory needs to be habituated more. And so like I actually made this little argument that this is why the church gives us the Sunday obligation. Yes, mm-hmm. in the encounter at mass is our encounter with God's memory of us, whereby we are not forgotten because we are thought of. And not in this like, oh, I'm thinking of you yeah. kind of banal sense that we do today but it's a thought that's effective because we exist we exist because of a thought of god right yeah which is kind of amazing in so many ways and that that's the hope wait i i'm so cared for and so loved that god thought of me is the reason i exist wow that's amazing that's actually and as a little side there's one thing god forgets is it our sins? Yes. Yay. Yes. Because those are no longer present to him. Yeah. And once they they're forgiven. Really real, right? In a yeah. sense. Because they're privations and so on and so forth. They're against being and not for it. It's yeah. parasitical. Uh, there was, I read a story actually the other day about some saint. The devil was like tormenting them. And uh, he was trying to accuse the saint of something, but that saint had just been to confession. Mm-hmm. And so he couldn't see anything sinful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I've always, I thought there's actually a deep truth to that. But for us, like the Sunday obligation is our way. Like we always say, well, where's God? He's distance. He's this. He's this. Well, it's because we're not exercising our memory, people. Yeah. <laughs> we're not giving the effort to make him a priority in life by choosing him. When one of the ways the church helps us do this in a kind of basic sense is the Sunday obligation to remember Sunday is the day God redeemed re- the earth. The universe. God is the Sunday is the day the new creation began. Sunday is the day where new life, eternal life, resurrection of the body became a possibility and a reality for us. Um, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. Right? Like this is that that great hymn from Easter, uh, or that great phrase from Easter. Uh, we need to remember this. And so, going to mass every Sunday is our way of training up our memory by the habitual going. So, what do we get out of mass? We actually get the memory of God, mm-hmm. that he's real and active, that he's alive in our life, and that he is coming and acting in our life today. And that same action he did 2,000 years ago is acting in your life and mine today to redeem us and to draw us into his life ever more deeply so that then that starts to imbue everything in our life and that we're able to remember God daily in everything we do so that he really becomes all in all for us. I, I'm thinking about... Um uh, memory as a, a help for anxiety on a very yeah. basic level. Like when I'm going somewhere and I don't know, I know part of where uh, maybe other people experience this. Um, like I'm driving home, I'm using my Google maps. I'm making sure that I don't make a wrong turn, but then I get on a certain road that I can put my phone down and immediately there's kind of a relief there. Like, Oh, I know yeah. where I'm going now. Yeah. Cause there's the, um, there is hope for the future in a certain sense where yeah. I have to wait on every, direction of the google map and i have to uh i don't have any control over that there's like oh now the way is present to me and i'm okay um but also uh in a deeper sense you know i think a lot of times people become less emotional or the spiritual life becomes less turbulent the longer you live it 
Yeah. Because in moments of desolation or darkness or even sin, um, uh, having present to you the journey you've been on with God, having present to you God in your memory, uh, there is no longer a kind of feeling of being lost. Right. Because you have gone this way before, you're aware of what God has planned for you in your future. And so there's less to make you anxious in that sense. And it... And that's part of the habit, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, oh, that temptation's coming again. Well, but I survived it last time mm-hmm. because I, I, I remembered God. Yeah. Like, it's not hard in some ways. This, again, this right. is why I'm saying, like, the church actually has a deep tradition around all these things to remove the fog and cloud of ideology that we are so imbued with to say, like, let's get back to principles. And, and, like, and this memory thing is actually very vital to being human. It's actually something quite life-giving. Yeah. And so remember those times where, yeah, wait, God gave me, like, how do I know God's grace is active? Because I've seen it work in my life because I reflected on it. Because I, I call to mind daily his presence and his work in my life. That's memory at work. Um, I call to mind my goal, which is to be with him who is already present and who's also been effective in my past. Like, I think, like, I know, I think it's Lewis who talks about how, like, you know, grace is starting to transform you. Where it starts to, in some way, even transform your past. Mm-hmm where you start to even see your past, which was also sinful as something redemptive. Right. Because you can't get to where you are without all that. And that yeah. God's using all that to bring you to him. Mm-hmm. And that's the work of, that's, that's, like, that's the thing. God, so that's the cool part in the end. God actually wants to give us his memory of us. Yes. Which is then something totally redemptive without any sin. Because God doesn't want, does, doesn't really, he can't, in a way, in a way. Right. Putting a lot of the quotes on here. God can't Lots see our sin anyways. Yeah. Sin's not real mm-hmm. in the sense. Um, um, he doesn't want to see us that way. He wants to see us redemptive, redeemed. He wants to see us as we are to be with him in heaven. That that's that's what that that vision of us in his in his in his glorified life is the vision he's trying to draw us into more and more. And that's the future memory. Like that's the quote unquote ideal self, which is not an ideal self of like oh best version of myself. But it's the be a saint, mm-hmm. which is including all your warts and sins with that, yeah. which are now transformed and redeemed. They become wounds that are actually visible and seen. Like, I think it's so cool that, and again, it's one of my favorite images around the resurrection appearances is Jesus remains, contains his wounds and that mm-hmm. the apostles remembered this so much that they actually communicated it through the writing of the scriptures. Yeah. Right. Um, Memory is not just a simple, it's not this like linear thing. It's never meant to be a linear thing, but that's the way we've been trained about it because that's the way we see history and everything. It's like, that's, this is all, it's all crud. Mm-hmm. It's all crud. No, it's, no, we're actually, we actually have a real living encounter with the past and we're meant to because it's actually meant to give us our life today to lead us to God. Yeah, it's, it's no wonder then that when the enemy attacks us, he's attacking memory it's uh those doubts we feel like were those moments of grace even real uh it's a taking away of the future you will always be like that and it's also this kind of like disruption even of the present um that's where despair comes from is that wiping away of those things that's where the enemy often attacks and if we would see like even on a basic level like how many cultural problems do we have because we do not or we either we do not remember history or that we remember it incorrectly um and we have a fear of the future because we don't yeah. have a direction and, and, we're moving And towards. ultimately, we've, we have forgotten God. 
Yeah. Right. This is the thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is my, as I think more around the problem of materialism, which is kind of what I'm working on in my first chapter right now, more and more, I'm just becoming aware of how we have, and it's not to say like, I'm not saying this as a like, oh, we have to escape all this, but it's mm-hmm. just that we have to become more aware of just how deeply entrenched we are in a materialist worldview that says all that matters is what's in front of you right now. And doesn't, who cares about God? Like it, it, materialism becomes so thick that it actually, it actually makes it impossible to actually see God through it. it, yeah. it a matter loses its, its, uh, its transparency. And, uh, and we aren't able to actually see God in and through it all. And this is why, like we, this is why I almost say like, well, what's the best way to remember God? Go to mass, pray, do the liturgy, like do the things that the church says brings you close to God and that that'll train up your memory to actually see him every day and mm-hmm. to see the world differently and to see yourself differently because you'll see him as he sees you. Exactly. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. That was good. sort of kind of the homily, but also some other stuff. Also some other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me trying to remember what I have to do with the rest of the day and looking at a calendar, which I rely on because my memory's bad. And now I'm worried about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can you can you can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency that has anything to do with poop? (laughs) Call 412-912-7995. Don't encourage them. (laughs) Don't encourage them. Or if you have just like any other kind of theological question, call 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.